Hi, I'm Iris Muller. I'm a certified rehabilitation counselor and a proud mom of two children, one of whom has quadriplegic cerebral palsy and is nonverbal. And I'm Alma Schneider, a licensed clinical social worker and the proud mom of four children, one of whom has Prader-Willi syndrome. In this podcast, we discuss the uncensored truth about raising kids with disabilities. Prepare to laugh, cry, and hopefully learn something new. This is Two Moms No Fluff. Hello, everybody. We are here, Two Moms No Fluff, a podcast where we discuss everything about raising kids with disabilities, the uncensored truth, and uh, here is uh, Iris Meller, which is me, with my friend and colleague and partner, Alma Schneider, on the other side of the screen. Very Hi. happy to see you all. Welcome to everyone who's new, and welcome back to everyone who's already been here and listened to our podcast before. Alma, how are you? I'm doing all right. And I'm very excited about this topic today, which is clothing. We... Uh, have a lot to say about this topic and I love clothes. So I'm excited about discussing it today. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I'm wearing a scarf on my ponytail for those of you who are watching on YouTube that I've had for 25 years, I believe that uh, I used to wear in Spain when I lived in Spain. So I was sitting on this desk right now and I thought it would be a nice little accessory to put on right now. Awesome. Actually, actually, I take it back uh, over 30 years, but you know, who's counting? <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to scarves, who, That's right. who's counting? That's yes, right. and I am uh, usually, as usual, wearing my uniform here, which is a jeans and a blue t-shirt. <laughs> we spoke about uh, the clothing choices on another episode for us as caregivers. But uh, yeah, it does simplify my life. But today we're not talking about our clothes, but our kids' clothes and why it is important uh, how and why we dress them the way we do. And as uh, most of our listeners know, it, clothing is a tricky topic for uh, many, many reasons. Some children really have a very... Um, I guess, heightened sensitivity to different uh, fabrics and uh, different uh, uh, clothing uh, styles that they cannot or can tolerate. And other children, uh, like my daughter, for example, really have uh, a physical difficulty in dressing them. And uh, that's, that's a challenge. I think that uh, for us uh, specifically, let me start with kind of, uh, I guess, the personal note. Uh, because of the wheelchair and the service dog and the way that my daughter moves and the, the uh, sounds that she kind of makes when she's excited or happy and sometimes angry too, uh, we attract a lot of attention, a lot of attention. And it's really important to me wow. that when people kind of like uh, do their kind of shy glaze toward uh, where, where we are, gazing and trying to see, uh, you know, who, who's that? And uh, that she looks as good as possible. And I really do care about what she's um, wearing very much. Uh, I can tell you that uh, the last couple of years, now that she's a teenager, 
I have very, very little say in what she's wearing. And sometimes I'm just like, we have to leave the house and I can't uh, influence her clothing choices. And I'm like, no, no, I don't want to leave the house like that. And, uh, and yet we do. <laughs> it's a part of parenting. But in the years that I had more say, I think um, this, this was one of the like important things for me that she looks as good as she can be. So when the people look, they see that she's nicely dressed. Yeah. And there are two parts to this. There's the functional dress and the style. So we're going to be talking about both of those today. Um, so I'll start off with the idea that, you know, my son is almost 17 now, and I have three other kids who tell me that uh, I am not dressing him cool enough. And as superficial as that may sound, and as much as that should not matter, it does matter because we want to make sure that our kids are fitting in as much as possible or not becoming spectacles of some sort or fitting a stereotype of, uh, you know, years gone by about, you know, kids looking funny or, you know, not appropriate. So these are things, and, you know, in my honest opinion, I try to be cognizant of. And one of the silver linings of, of um, Lincoln is that he doesn't care what he's wearing for the most part. He does not have many sensory issues. He's got a feel like he won't wear sweaters. He doesn't like wearing sweaters, like itchy wool sweaters. But other than that, he's pretty flexible about what he'll wear. Um, which is both good, it's mostly good because he doesn't ask me to buy him really expensive fashionable clothes like my other kids do and then discard them after a few times of wearing them. Uh, he is pretty flexible about what he will wear, but that I can get a little lazy with that. And I have to be on my toes about um, clothes that he's wearing because things that I think look perfectly appropriate and cool, my other kids will say, oh my God, you cannot put him in that because it's totally out of style and it's, um, you know, it's babyish or whatever. So like, for example, for example, um, the images on shirts, uh, apparently, according to the other kids, are, are not you know, or passe. Like if you have something that has Harry Potter on it, maybe, or there were some Disney, uh, not, I didn't use Disney, but things from the past that I might think are kind of ironic, they're apparently not cool. So I have to be very careful about that. Um, my son is, was very into Adele and uh, Scotty McCreary, who was big on, and J James Durbin, who were finalists in um, uh, not America's Got Talent, you know, uh, what's American Idol? American Idol, on American Idol. And my sister had kindly made silk screens for him and put them on shirts and he was really into them. But we wore, even though they fit him for years, I was told that I could not dress him in those because my kids said they weren't cool. So I'll start with that about the, the style type stuff. Yeah, I have a, a technical kind of issue sometimes with my daughter and that is that she has a, a lot of uh, cramps in her legs, in her feet, like a Charlie horse kind of a thing. And she's really in pain wearing shoes. <laughs> and uh, my, uh, 
my husband and I feel really embarrassed, like walking into places with hair without shoes. So we're constantly in this, like putting the shoes on to walk into the restaurant. The moment we reach the table, we take the shoes off, <laughs> etc. And, and going into like a, a show with the shoes, taking them off, getting into the car, putting them on. It's just like, it's ridiculous. So um, shoes uh, is, is a heavy duty topic in our house. But as we're talking about shoes, I really have to take a pause and give a huge shout out to the biggest game changer in this field. And this is Billy Price, the guy who came out with the Billy footwear. And for the one person out there who didn't hear yet about Billy shoes, I have to mention that uh, if you didn't, you have to look them up. They're so great that they now even sell them on Target. And uh, not all the styles, not all the different um, amazing designs of shoes that he has, but Billy Price is a guy who's quadriplegic himself and he developed a shoe that actually has a zipper going kind of all the way around. And I honestly, Ama, I can't tell you how do you even ma manage to put a shoe on my daughter before those shoes, before he came up with this invent invention. There isn't, I don't think any shoe out there that is even remotely close to the accessibility and the comfort of the Billy shoes. And the, even with those, we have a challenge. But uh, the, the, the thing goes about, all the way around. Yeah, the zipper way goes way. all the way around. So you kind of like, almost like you put the foot on top of the uh, insole and then you, yeah, and then you kind of zip the, the rest of the shoe up uh, on top of it. And mm -hmm. uh, my daughter has Uggs like, uh, you know, boots from them and she has sparkly shoes and she has like a, something that looks like an all-star shoe. And it's just a huge variety of different styles, which makes, uh, a, 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 makes it possible for the individual to express themselves with their choices because there are so many different options. And B makes it possible to even kind of get her foot into a shoe in an unpainful way and uh, and to persevere having the shoe on for an extended period of time, which is a big thing for us. So that was my kind of bit about and necessity here. Yes, and for necessity for me as well, for kids who really struggle with uh, tying their shoes, uh, and even if they can tie their shoes, it might take a really long time to tie the shoes. And you, you know, as we all know, we're often in a hurry. So for my son, we have, uh, used velcro shoes when velcro shoes became uncool again uh we got him shoes that you did have to tie but that he ended up being able they were i guess a little bit big or they were able to be put on where he sticks his foot in and then pulls the back up himself i cannot sing the praises enough of shoehorns. Now, my father was a big fan of the shoehorn, and I'll bet many of you listening don't even know what a shoehorn is. But a shoehorn is a tool that you put in the back of the shoe and it eases your foot into the shoe. And this is a fantastic tool. You can get them plastic ones. Uh, I don't even know where I got a plastic one, but it was given away somewhere, but they can cost nothing. You could probably use something else as a shoehorn as well, but a shoehorn is shaped like the back of the foot. So it's, it's, it's really a useful tool. Google them and just order one. If you struggle 
with getting your kids shoes on in the back. They can put their shoe in, in the front, their foot in, in the front, and then the shoe horn glides the back of the foot in. So that's, that's a great tool. Uh, but we have struggled. I bought a really cool, and mind you, I buy a lot of used shoes or when kids grow out of shoes, it, you know, it, we have sites on Facebook, local sites where we can, um, you know, buy used stuff or if people bought shoes and they didn't return them in time and they were new, they'll sell them. So I never want to pull, pay, pay full price for any of that stuff, but I will if I have to for, for the shoes. But I bought a pair of boots, like booties that were really cool looking. They were leather. They had um, uh, a lining inside that were really warm. They were Lacoste brand. They had the little alligator. They were really cool guess what? They were the biggest pain in the butt to put in because the in my son's instep, you know, ha, it is always the issue getting into shoes. And we had to unlace them in order to put them on, fully unlace them and then lace them up again. Not worth it. He probably wore them once or twice. And I, I recently just gave them away because I was like, this is just a waste of time because it takes too long. So it's really important that you don't just focus on the style, that you also think about how is this going to be functional Am I going to be able to run out of the house when I need to and do it quickly? Yeah. I, uh, another take on the shoes before we move uh, forward to other clothing items is that there was a period of time in my daughter's life that she was able to walk quite a bit in her gay trainer. And then she would go to the playground and go uh, to the library, like really walk the streets with her um, tiptoe walking inside the gay trainer. Can you just explain what a gate trainer is? Sure. For I know. I those, know yeah, <laughs> those who are not familiar with a gate trainer, uh, for children who doesn't do not uh, have, I guess, uh, good enough um, trunk stability to use a walker that they can push and kind of walk with, um, there's a, I guess, contraption that is called a gate trainer, which you kind of harness the torso of the child to the um, metal frame. And then they can, if they can, they can use their uh, bit of uh, leg movement to tiptoe or to progress by pedaling their feet. And uh, because there are to the metal frame, there are four wheels um, that are connected by moving their uh, legs, they can progress. It's, it's not really walking, but it's something similar. And uh, my daughter used to love it, but because her, her step wasn't uh, proper, she would tiptoe on that gay trainer. And even though she was able to run and uh, really make it from uh, point A to point B, even walking a couple of city blocks and, and staying in that gate trainer for a couple of hours at the time, she would rip through shoes like there's no tomorrow. Like we could use a pair of sneakers one week and then the entire front of the shoe would be just non-existing. And she would like tear through them. And that created a huge problem at the beginning. I tried to kind of like keep the pace by buying like really cheap uh, shoes in Goodwill stores and used stores, but even that it's just too expensive. So I started advertising, including on your group, Alma, if you remember way back in the- in I the, do. That uh, we need shoes. And I like churches, synagogues, places, this is the size. If your kid outgrew their shoes, please give it them to us. And we would like really rip through them on a weekly basis, but uh, at least uh, 
now I'm even more grateful for that period of time because she can't use the gait trainer anymore. It causes so much pain that she can't even spend a minute in it, which is really sad. But um, I just wanted to uh, encourage people that if they have a similar situation to use that technique and to call as many people, tell them exactly what you need and you'll be surprised. We had bags of shoes, you know, coming to our house and that really rescued us that summer. So that was awesome. Good, good. Let's move on to pants. Okay, very thrilling topic, scintillating topic of pants. So my son and many other children really struggle with fine motor. So when there is a, a button or some kind of a, you know, a modified button, it is extremely hard for my son to, to unfasten it um, or to fasten it. So he ends up wearing a lot of elastic pants. Now, if any of you watch Seinfeld, um, there was a bit about George Costanza wearing sweatpants all the time. And uh, I think Jerry Seinfeld would make fun of him saying that it's like walking out of the house in pajamas. We wear a lot of sweatpants and I'm very aware of it. Um, there are also kind of some cargo pants that have an elastic top and um, it's easier to, to use those. But I think that if someone created, I'm sure that there are some pants out there, but we really need to look into that. But it's you know important to wear uh, pants that look like pants and that are not always sweatpants. And if somebody creates a strong Velcro top to pants, I would appreciate that if it doesn't already exist. So let me know if those are out there. It's Alma, let me break the good news to you. It's oh my gosh, what <laughs> news do you have? I'm so happy that you joined us on this podcast so I can <laughs> reveal that these things already exist. But um, uh, that being said, I want to again mention Target on this podcast. This is kind of funny, but not only that they sell the Billy footwear, they also uh, have an adaptive uh, kids clothing line. And in that, uh, you can find either uh, jeans pants that uh, have a um, elastic at the top of them. So they look like typical jeans, but they're almost like pregnancy jeans for children. Yeah. And yeah. also jeans that have like Velcro closure. And that being said, there is another company and that's Tommy Hilfiger. They have Tommy Adapted or Adaptive, uh, Tommy Adaptive. Uh -huh. And those uh, those clothes, I have to say that I never bought them myself because it is way beyond our family budget for clothing. Uh, we're used to goodwill. Uh, what can I say? <laughs> yeah, but uh, but Target adapted clothing, uh, they have some some serious uh, selection there for for kids. Um, they have jeans that are easy to um, to open, kind of if your child needs a diaper change. And, and I'm talking about like large sizes, not like yeah. for toddlers. And yeah. uh, they have um, clothes that are appropriate for kids with a Mickey button that needs to be connected to a feeding tube. Yeah. Uh, they have clothing for kids with sensory issues. They have, uh, let's say, jeans pants that have that Velcro that you were looking for uh, on the legs, kind of up to the knee in case the kid is wearing um, uh, an AFO. And, uh, What's an AFO? 
uh, a, I don't know if I'm using the right acronyms, but this, this, these are the braces that the kids are wearing on their legs usually, kind of from the ankle to the knee. Sometimes there are kids that have an extension of that, but usually that's the height that it goes to. And mm -hmm. um, basically uh, to make it possible, you know, to, to wear a pair of jeans over that plastic uh, additional layer on the leg is very tricky and it's also very tricky because you can't kind of have the flexibility of pushing the leg in once this is on so it, it's a it's a really nice uh, addition to have the velcro there basically um, those uh, there is more and more awareness around adapted uh, clothing and to make the um, wear of a clothes a little easier for someone let's say who's wheelchair bound or have manual dexterity challenges people that do not have hands at all and they need to kind of like use a, either prosthetic or just a, the left um, how do you say the limbs that they the little limbs that they do have to kind of like um, get the clothing on and off but um all of that being said <laughs> there is a lot of uh, you know what you wear is who you are, you know, for so many people, they just uh, take a very quick glimpse at our kids and assume a lot um, from what they're wearing. Right. So, for example, I uh, one of the things that are really, really, really challenging for me is because my daughter has this uh, wonderful ability to hold a marker or a stylus in her mouth and to use her uh, iPad and phone and to draw and write with a marker or stylus in her mouth. Uh, she's constantly kind of holding something in her mouth with her mouth slightly open. And what happens even to the best of us, you're all welcome to try it on your own. If you bend over and your mouth is open, you will drool. There is no <laughs> gravity works on everyone, no matter the ability. So it's really, really hard because sometimes, you know, we would dress her really nicely and we'll go somewhere. And in a moment of absent minded, we would like let her use her phone and there is saliva drool, drool stains all over her outfit. And um, the other take on it is at age 14 to put a bib on her, which we many, many times do. But that's also not very age appropriate. It's just like you need to constantly be there ready with the tissue to kind of see which side of the mouth you might drool from. And uh, that's, uh, that's tricky. The thing that I la least like is to go somewhere and put the nice outfit that we bought, especially for the occasion. And then two minutes later, there's just like saliva stains all over and it looks so indignified. And uh, this, is, um, this is a tricky thing for us. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering if they can, someone can create bibs that look like a part of the outfit. So that might be something interesting. And yeah. speaking of getting stuff on clothes, which, you know, is an issue when people have extra challenges sometimes, um, or extra needs. Um, I am uh, a big proponent of taking, if my son is wearing a nice outfit to school or something, I try to put him in clothes that are dark colors for that reason. Um, however, when dandruff is in the mix, which fortunately we don't have to deal with a lot, I was very aware of putting him in very light colored clothes so that nobody would see the dandruff because I don't know why that was an issue, but uh, he didn't need any more uh, things to have people point at, which they did at school. 
when he was in uh, the public school. So light shirts for dandruff, dark shirts later on. However, uh, when he would be wearing something that was nice and he would come home, I would take that outfit. I would I would have him eat either with no shirt on at home or with a shirt that I didn't care about because if we were at home and then I would put the shirt back on if he was going out again, because, you know, you, it, it'll save everybody some stress and some laundry. Um, I also keep a stain stick near in the kitchen so that if something does get something on them, I quickly spray it uh, or rub the stain stick in it. So that's something that people do. Uh, they bring it with them. I know that you do too, Iris. We bring it when we go out um, in, we don't do it as much now, but I have one in the car or in my bag. So these are all things to just, you know, you, you're at this game long enough, you know what's gonna happen. So you just prepare, you hope for the best, plan for the worst, have those stain sticks um, because food is, um, you know, it's messy and it gets on clothes and you do not wanna have beets or red marinara sauce on your clothes that will permanently stain. Yeah. And uh, the bibs portion of it, uh, honestly, um, we still use bibs. We go through like uh, five to uh, seven bibs a day. Um, the brand that we use uh, in our family, and trust me, we tried a lot, is uh, Bumpkin's super size super bib, which uh, is... Uh, was relevant uh, as as it was almost until the age of uh, 12 and now we still use that but we have to add an extension velcro so it actually closes appropriately around her neck because she's no longer two what can i say she's 14 i really hope and wish that one of those companies like targets uh, the you know our group people with kids with disabilities that are way beyond the toddler years but are still regular users of bibs when uh, you do the research about uh, bibs there are so many products out there that are for adults and uh, geared towards the elderly so both the design and the fabric is more towards um, people with alzheimer and people that are needing some help with the uh, feeding and uh, the, hence need a bib but I need something that has a very good kind of protection from liquids because uh, again, although my daughter knows how to drink from a straw, there are lots of spills and it's just a, a constant race if for when uh, those bibs that I mentioned, when they, after so many laundries and we laundry them a lot, they lose the integrity of the um, fabric, uh, not fabric, liquid barrier at the back. Uh, and then you use the bib, you think you are all safe and you take the bib off and everything is soaked. It's just so, uh, so annoying. But um, I am grateful that she can drink from a straw. I'm grateful that she can write with the stylus, but the aftermath with the clothing is uh, severe. So although uh, we are like, whenever we go or wherever we go, we have an extra set of clothes with us because uh, these shirts, they, 
we need to change them all the time. And this is also why I'm wearing my uniform. It's enough that I'll go after we record and give her a hug and my shoulder would be covered with something. And then I need to throw another blue t-shirt on myself. But um, it's just, a, it's a matter of planning. I think that as you mentioned with regards to color choices, for us, it's also the pattern. Uh, dark blue, you see saliva stains very well, same goes to black, but if you have a pattern like, uh, I don't know, some kind of a design, then there is less chance that people would automatically see the stains on hair. And I promise you, we keep my daughter like very clean and well cared for, but sometimes with all of our good intentions, she just doesn't look it because she gets so, so messy so fast and we can kind of keep up with the clothing department. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. It's like, you know, it's something that, you know, people don't realize who have uh, typical neurotypical kids, that it's a, um, it's an extra, there needs to be extra thought about this. And it's another layer of stress. Um, something else that it reminds me of is that, you know, when my other kids, when their pants would get a little short, or their skirt was a little short, it wasn't a big deal. We do not allow our son to go out with high waters, which is you know what we called them as kids or flood pants, people call them. If the pants get too short, they are done because we do not want any anything to be an extra opportunity for people to focus on, to point to, to make fun of him. And it's you know it's a horrible reality. And I hate to even say it, but it's just the truth. We try to dress him, you know, like he looks good. And um, fortunately, I have a lot of friends who give me hand-me-downs of somebody just dropped off a bag for me with um, collared shirts, like polo shirts. And, um, you know, he looks like a little preppy. And that is still in fashion for some groups to look preppy. But I, he's got, now he's got a full set of these shirts for the summer that are, that are a little bigger than the shirts he was wearing before. And he looks good. He looks handsome. And uh, I, it's one, one less thing to worry about yeah. for, for me and for him. So he doesn't have to be bullied, you know, or yeah. have people feel like, what is he wearing? Or, you know, I don't need that. Neither does he. <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, that being said, another word uh, regarding uh, used uh, clothing stores. Again, I think that we use clothes in a much more kind of abusive way, if you can call it. We have to laundry them so often and, and we go through clothes uh, like quite a bit because we change clothes so many times a day as well. So um, I, I really, before my daughter was born and before we kind of like all the money went to therapy and the equipment and all of that, I didn't used to buy anything in used stores. It wasn't like I, I was not familiar with that concept at all. And then uh, because of the, the new situation with my daughter, and we had to kind of, uh, you know, make sense financially. And I started shopping in used clothing stores, uh, whether it's a Salvation Army or Goodwill or um, whatever you want to name it, whatever is around your house. I want to say that it's almost like a... a in my mind's eyes, like, oh, my daughter would be wearing rugs or something of that sort, but it's really not like that. And if you're new to that scene, I want to encourage you and tell, tell you that sometimes you really need to just get lucky. I think that one time I went to a Goodwill store or something of that sort, 
and I guess someone donated the day before a, a box filled with like clothes for a 14 year old that were really like some of them with the tags on still and nice brands and all that it's just a matter of getting to the place at the right time and uh, and allowing yourself probably a little bit more time for shopping and and knowing that it's a matter of when you show up at the store because it's sometimes they might have tons of things that are exactly the right size for your child and look great and in almost new condition or sometimes really even in a new condition and other times the store might have nothing to offer you. But if you if you can persevere through the days that there is nothing that that fits, you would acquire like a serious financial saving on clothing oh, yeah. uh, shopping. And it's also better for the planet and yeah, uh, totally. be better in so many ways also just to save money. And uh, I, I really like it by now. It's one of my favorite kind of activities now to it's go treasure to hunting. It's yeah. treasure hunting. It's a form of gambling. It's fantastic. I, I didn't even think to bring that up in this episode because it's such a given for me getting you know getting used clothes is the best you know why would anybody buy new clothes I don't understand why anybody would buy new clothes because there are so many thrift stores now so many goodwills so many consignment shops there's absolutely no reason to buy anything new because you can get it all used and most places won't take clothes that are stained or really really used so you're already your clothes are vetted so you're already you're already uh getting the good stuff so please okay sorry shop and thrift shops <laughs> yeah and the last thing about buying at thrift stores is that when when you end up getting let's say a pair of pants for like two bucks it makes sense to go then to the seamstress and say please put a velcro instead of the zipper for me yes because the total cost would still be seven dollars and you'll get the perfect uh, pants that your uh, son or daughter can easily use and enjoy rather than buying let's say something brand new for 17 dollars and it does just like a daily struggle with putting it on and off so uh, i remember back in the days if we had to cut through shoes to kind of make it possible to put them on before the billy shoes because now billy is out there and um, then uh, it, it it just it was a shame buying a 40 dollars boots to to just cut through them but i felt a little bit more uh, okay doing so with well-used shoes that i bought in a used uh, store that's yeah. that's my take <laughs> all right well i think we've covered most of the topics but we will be revisiting this topic with some specific brands that we we also know of and are learning about so we definitely want to share those with all of you but um that's all for now for me any anything else you want to add iris before we close up shop I always like to add that please, please, uh, for all our listeners to share their wisdom. We are still learning and other people in our community are learning. So if you want to share in the two moms uh, group, the closed uh, support group, or you want to share in our uh, Facebook page so others can see and learn, that would be great and uh, really appreciated by other parents as well. Absolutely. All right. Well, we will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in and have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye. For more information, please go to www.twomomsnofluff.com. Thank you. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and give it a five-star rating so more people can hear it.
Thank you.